This is Eden back on KMIH 88.9 The Bridge with my show, Garden of Eden. It's Garden of Eden and I'm your host. I talk about what I like most. Garden of Eden. (laughs) (laughs) Whoop whoop, I am so excited because today I am joined with the one, the only, Kelly Hillard. Hi. And we are going to be discussing... Can I get a drum roll, please, Kelly? <laughs> pulp, pulp fiction. fiction! I say pulp, you say fiction. Pulp, pulp fiction. Pulp fiction. <laughs> okay, I thought that that would sound better, but that's our little intro. We are going to be talking about pulp fiction. So, Kelly, I would describe her as a little bit of a movie snob. I am a movie she, snob. It's true. Like, if you bring up a, a title of a movie that she's seen, she'll either love it or hate it. I'm judgy. I can't hide my reactions. <laughs> she will tear you apart if you like it and she didn't. So, <laughs> Pulp Fiction is one of these movies that comes up in discussion quite a lot for us. And kind of just a lot in general. Our big question, which it, our episode will center around, is why? Why is the movie so dang popular? Why is it one of the most famous movies to ever exist? Like, does it deserve the hype? We it, don't think so. Is it? Okay, well, spoiler alert, we don't think it, it really, really lives up to the hype, but we'll be getting into that in this episode. And just a little disclaimer before we start, there will be spoilers. So if you haven't seen Pulp Fiction, we're going to be spoiling the movie for you. And also, we're going to talk a lot about the plot, but we aren't going to break it down scene by scene. So if you haven't seen the movie, it may be a little bit... Just confusing. It's already a confusing. confusing. It's already a confusing movie. And but I think it could still be fun for someone who hasn't seen it because it's just it's kind of an interesting. Yeah, and like you can't avoid going through life and avoid hearing about Pulp Fiction. It's just one of those movies. Yeah. That you hear about. It's the. It, movie. It's part of pop culture. Yeah, and I'll be all. I feel like okay, no matter what our movie. opinions are, it it is what it is. It's, it's an iconic. Movie. It's iconic. It's, yeah. So. I'm going to start with a little bit of background on Pulp Fiction, not going over the plot, but just just what the movie is. Here we go. Director Quentin Tarantino's 1994 film, Pulp Fiction, is about the lives of two mob hitmen, a boxer, a gangster, and his wife, and a pair of diner bandits, which intertwine in four tales of violence and redemption. Pretty dramatic. So, So ominous and dramatic, but it's actually kind of hard to... Like, when I was looking for a little synopsis online to read at the beginning, mm-hmm. I found that not only were they all pretty different, it's just hard to describe the movie in a sentence yeah. like that. Because you can't. Yeah, non-linear plot. Like, there's not really a rise and fall action. There's not, like, one enemy or goal in the end. It's like all these different characters have different goals, and they all just kind of happen to run into each other. Yeah, and you hear, like, oh, it's about two hitmen. But is it really? It kind of it follows the lives of two mm-hmm. hitmen. But... I think it would be fun to go over the characters briefly before we begin, and our thoughts on them too, because I do like Tarantino's choices of character. They're fun. I think that they're really fun. The characters are really fun. They're colorful. Yes, that's a good way <laughs> of putting it, colorful. So first, I think Vincent and Jules are a good place to start. Mm-hmm. So they're the two hitmen. Yes. They're kind of buddy-buddy with each other. Like, got, they got this cute little dynamic where they're, like, pass jokes back and forth. Like, if you saw a scene with them, the very, like, one of the first scenes is, like, them kind of, like, shooting jokes back and forth. You wouldn't really realize that they're hitmen and they kill people. So I think that's kind of fun. They're cute. It, it's something odd about the movie is that these two hitmen are portrayed as characters who have this kind of lighthearted camaraderie and they banter back and forth. And then cut to the next scene, they are killing someone yeah. without even thinking about it. And then, like, taking a bite of sandwich. 
Yeah, um, so that's whole. Also, I really like Samuel L. Jackson in this, and I don't usually like John Travolta because his face disturbs me. No, oh my God. <laughs> he's got a freaky face. Um, but I really <laughs> like him in this role. Oh, <laughs> uh, and also just a fun fact to mention. So John Travolta was kind of like a dead figure in Hollywood until Pulp Fiction actually resurrected his career and put him back on the map. Because briefly, I, have I you mean, seen him in anything recently though? No, but he was in. He was alive? he in Reservoir Dogs? I think I think he was in Reservoir Dogs as well. He I think it gave him one more kind of kick before mm-hmm. he died out. Uh, anyway, moving on to Marcellus Wallace, who is kind of the the connector in the film. Yeah. He uh, not to everything, but kind of serves as some uniting factor. He's a drug lord who um, yeah. the hitmen work for. Yeah, he's Vincent and Jules's boss. Yeah, and um, the husband of Mia. Who's also connected to the plot? I guess we can another talk about fun Mia. character that we'll introduce next. Such an iconic character. Vincent and Mia are, are an iconic duo, and that's mm. in pop culture. Vincent and Mia come up so much. I love them. I love their dynamic. I love Mia. I love her shirt. I love her bob. It's amazing. Yeah, iconic. Character. I mean, you could get a Mia Wallace haircut if you wanted to. I probably could. I'm not going back to bangs. You though. say no bangs, bangs, but I think bangs <laughs> would look good. And you, you no, know, I look like a kindergartner again. I can't do it. <laughs> Kelly's actually dressed up as. I did. Oh my gosh, which home, which dance was that? <laughs> Don't bring that up again. Oh, wait, wait, which dance was that? Um, homecoming junior year, Kelly went um, as Mia and Vincent with her date to our after party. Yep. I and was, she looked stellar in I, that black wig. Uh, Halloween party city black wig. It was like shedding everywhere. It looked like a skunk had like died on my head. It was like an animal. It's one of those classic wigs where in the picture it's so polished and perfect and you take it out of the bag and it's it just... Like, it's like lumpy. There's total bald, bald spots in it. I did, Let's just Never say did. I did not look like Mia. I did not look like Uma no, Thurman. No, totally... Was, I would say that people would have known. It was a unique look. Like, you looked at her and her date, and you knew that they were Mia and Vincent, but it was kind of like, oh, mm. <laughs> It was I a bold choice when everyone else went is like, what, Scooby-Doo? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> we should move on. We went off on a tangent. Uh, next is Butch. My guy, Butch. He um, is played fan. by Bruce Willis. I'm actually, yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, he plays an aging boxer who gets like caught up in this conflict with Marcellus um, and basically is on the run for him, from him. Yeah, after he ends up not rigging, right, he wins a competition he was supposed, to, he was lose. supposed to lose. And then it ends up killing the other boxer, which yeah. is another part of it. But he also has a, a girlfriend named Fabienne, who's this French woman who Kelly Kelly says she likes. I'm a fan I'm, of Fabienne. I was not a fan of Fabienne. I'm sorry. I think she was annoying. I'm sorry. She can't be as cool as the hitmen and the drug addicts and the boxer and the... the, the, the professional fixer whatever she no, is she, a normal person and she's fun and she's french no she, <laughs> stand by that if she wasn't cute. if she wasn't french i don't think you would like her probably not i think that not she actually like a little bit of a child but a it's little. fine i should stop i'm i'll give fabian the benefit of the doubt because she's not in it that much so <laughs> she's like two scenes of screen time yeah i know but still also someone worth mentioning is winston wolf i think he's called the wolf and the, they call him the wolf and he's basically um the fixer and after jules and vincent have an incident where they kill someone in the car they hire the wolf to come and help mm-hmm. them clean it up and he's kind of an interesting character so yeah uh, and then the duo pumpkin and honey buddy oh they're crazy. They annoy me. I, Honey Bunny annoys me so much oh more than Fabienne. 
Honey Bunny, the Yolanda or whatever, the one that's like ah, all the time. Oh my god, I wish she would just be quiet. Yeah, their names are Pumpkin and Honey Bunny or Ringo and Yolanda. But they they appear at the very beginning, very briefly in the diner um, before the robbery that you actually learn about at the very end. They only appear at the beginning and end. So it's kind of this interesting transition where it's a diner scene and you're like, oh, diner, and it cuts to Vincent and Jules in the car on their way mm-hmm. to get a briefcase. And so it's kind of the first introduction of like the format of the yeah. movie. And you're like, oh, this weird couple is in a diner. And then you realize, oh, they're there to rob. But you don't know until, but you don't know them until the end. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Dimmick, I think, is worth um, mentioning because he's played by Quentin Tarantino, mm-hmm. which is another kind of a very side character, yeah. but he's kind of interesting. Self-interest. I like that he kind of inserted himself in his own movie. I mean, I would do that. If yeah. I if I created a movie, I would want to be like the main yeah, one. Yeah, Alfred Hitchcock does that too, I think. In like yeah. all of his movies, he always appears in at least one scene. <laughs> but it's kind of like in Hamilton, how um, Lin-Manuel Miranda <laughs> wanted himself. to play Alexander Hamilton <laughs> and then all the critics were like, he was so bad. <laughs> but He I made mean, it iconic though. You can't blame him. Yeah, like if I was in charge of my own movie, I'm going to give myself a role. You best believe I'm getting the best I'm part. I'm going to give myself a role. I'm going to be the cool one. And then almost done with the characters. Last one is Lance, which is Vincent's drug dealer. Mm-hmm. He's in a few scenes. I like him. I think he's fun. Yeah, not enough. I don't. I didn't see enough. I didn't see him enough to make an impression. He was a drug dealer. He gave him drugs. Apparently, they were good drugs. He gave him drugs, but he was kind of kind of a kooky guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's our rundown of the characters. <laughs> I like that. There's a lot of different types of people. Mm-hmm. I think that the I think that if the movie didn't have strong characters or strong actors and people who fit the roles really well, yeah. that it would have kind of fallen apart. Considering yeah, like that there's not, a lack of structure. It's not just the plot and it's like well written and everything, but the characters and the actors really bring it together, I think. And I don't know, Quentin's brilliant directing or whatever, but uh. Yes. And now now we can get into the thick of it. What does the movie mean? Uh, how what do we think? How do the scenes work together and the characters and just overall opinions? Yeah, so I know me and Ina both watched this movie at least two times. I've seen it twice. I've seen, you've seen it twice. What was your first impression of the movie, the first time you watched it? So I saw it with my friends Annika and Lily, and I think going into it, we had heard so much about this movie, so much, that we were like, okay, we need to be in, in tune with pop culture and bite the bullet and watch it. We knew it's about two hitmen. It's very iconic. And we were so disappointed because it was so long and we were so confused because we we didn't do... I think that it would have been a better experience for me if I would have known that the format was super confusing and that it wasn't what I had expected. Because I, I came off of the movie being like, why would anybody ever enjoy this? But then I saw it a second time. First, you can share your first impression and then I'll share my second impression. Okay. I think the first time I watched it, I was just like at my house. I didn't have anything better to do. And I was like doing my English homework at the same time. So I was only half paying attention to it in the first place. And I was so wildly confused because I just wasn't paying attention. And I missed like half the scenes. Uh-huh. And and I had no idea what was going on for the entire movie. I Like I didn't even, I barely formed an opinion on it. I was just confused and I turned but it off. But that usually <laughs> leads you to form a negative opinion because yeah. you're like, how could anybody understand exactly. this? And then... The second time I saw it, uh, which was actually in preparation for this episode, I enjoyed it a lot more. I wouldn't say that I I like, well, I would say it's a fine movie. I feel like I can't say that I don't like it because I don't want to be that person 
But I, I think that I understood what was happening a lot more because the first time I didn't understand that I had to so closely pay attention to every scene. Like the diner scene, I it kind of brushed over my head. And then when it came back at the end, I was like, what? And then when Vincent gets killed and then reappears in the scene later, I'm like, whoa, what? Is... And mm-hmm. the, the second time, it was very well-rounded and I actually understood. And I feel like I could process it and see where people would attach meaning to some of the things and see how the characters interact. I had a, a pretty similar experience, I think. Like, I actually decided, okay, buckle down. I'm actually going to pay attention this time. I'm actually going to learn the characters' names so I know what's going on. And I enjoyed it so much more the second time around. But it's just getting past that, like, initial Hump. confusion, yeah. I guess, for me, that, like, made me dislike it in the first place. But I do think it has great rewatch value. Like, yeah. I, I, I think I've I watched it more than two times. I've watched it quite a few times now. And I just, it's nice. I also think because there's so much going on, you can catch something new every time you watch it. Exactly. It is one of those polarizing films. If you've seen it, you probably have a, unless you just didn't understand and you're like, I don't know, you probably have a strong opinion on it. I think. Now, I think that we should go a little bit into the meaning that people have attached to it. I know that there's speculation that Tarantino doesn't really attach meaning to any of his movies. Or at least big meaning, the way that people think that he does. Yeah. But I think we should still get into the suspicions over, like, what things mean, what items represent. Because there are people that nitpick this movie apart. Like, every every lighting, every scene, every object that appears. Like, oh, the watch is on his left hand and that scene on his right hand. What does that mean? And it's exhausting. But I, I also would argue that that's kind of the beauty of it. So maybe he didn't intend for it to mean something. Go in saying it means this. But the fact that so many people can interpret it so many different ways and attach their own meaning to it is what makes it special. Yeah. And that's something that not a lot of movies have. It's like, um, we were talking to my friends earlier about this, like a Rorschach test. Is it called, is that how you say it, Rorschach? <sighs> I'm not We're sure. going to pretend one, like it's Rorschach test. One with test. the ink blots. So basically, you, you you've probably if you look up a picture of an ink blot test, you'll probably recognize it. It's just ink on a paper, and you ask someone like, "What what do you see?" But like we did one in my psychology class I'm taking, we had to do an ink blot test, and I saw like a guy riding a motorcycle with flames off the side, and someone else saw a smiley face. It's yeah, the movie can kind of act like that in a way. Like whoever watches it can kind of get something different out of it. Yeah, Pulp Fiction is like the inkblot test of movies. Yeah, which it's fun, but I do not believe it deserves to be deified in the way it has in pop culture. (laughs) It doesn't. I don't think it does. There's so many great movies out there. Why is this movie so, like, why is so many people say, oh, this is my favorite movie of all time? Like, it's a good movie. I feel like there are so many things in pop culture like that that people over time attach meaning to that you, you just can't ignore. And then it's not as much about the thing itself but more about all of the history that is associated Mm -hmm. with it but getting into some of the the symbols and ideas that people have pointed out we have the briefcase the very ominous briefcase so it's basically this briefcase that's opened a few times but throughout the film you never get to see inside all you see is this like glowing yellow light the briefcase okay there's this trope in movies or like in books or whatever called a MacGuffin and a MacGuffin is basically just like an object an object that has like some inherent value to the characters but it doesn't really matter what that object is like the Holy Grail is an example of this object where everyone wants it but it could have easily switched out with like I don't know a really expensive necklace 
or a, a magic sword or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter where the object is as long as the characters want it and need it. And the MacGuffin's kind of been criticized as kind of being like an easy plot device to lead the story along. But I think this movie does it super cool in a way where the briefcase, we don't even know what's inside because it doesn't matter what's inside as long as it's valuable, which I think is a really cool subversion of the MacGuffin trope. Yeah, I I mean, I yeah, I couldn't have said that better. But it's just interesting also seeing this. So some might say Tarantino, it was a cop-out to use a MacGuffin and have this random briefcase that has no meaning but the amount of theories that people have over what it means and the way that it draws in your attention you're like I wonder what the briefcase is I think it's actually super successful and was kind of a genius move yeah I love it I think it's fun I think if they had assigned meaning or like they had assigned some object to the suitcase like gold bars are in it whatever it would have lost its coolness and then like for example this isn't really a symbol more just like plot analysis I guess um, but the structure of the movie is super bizarre. It, it, it isn't in chronological order, but there are people on one side of the spectrum who pick that apart. Other people argue that it's just a way to draw in the viewer's attention and give it just an extra layer. And I know Tarantino, I think, has said in some interview or another that he likes kind of spacing out the plot in that way to more closely resemble real life like it's not always super fast-paced and like this then this then this then this Mm -hmm. then this and it's like it's more complicated than that which I think is cool but I don't Mm -hmm. know about assigning special meaning to it another aspect that we could look at is character development and how the plot not being in chronological order in a way adds to that because you see Vincent being killed before you know that he dies and you see that Jules lives when Vincent dies So at the beginning, Jules is killing people, and he's a hitman, it's his job to kill. And then later in the diner, with the robbers bringing it all together, he's sitting across the table from one of them, and he has the chance to kill him, and he decides not to, and kind of like takes a life at the beginning of the movie and then spares a life at the end. Yeah. Which is, I think, very interesting. And then he's the one that ends up living in comparison to Vincent, who ends up just dying because he, he stays on that path, right? He's keeps, he decides to, I'm going to still be a hitman. What we experienced wasn't a miracle type thing. Yeah. And it's odd, too, because then you see Vincent in the bathroom at Butch's house when he goes to get his watch, and he gets killed. And that could have been Jules if he hadn't decided that that wasn't exactly. the path he wanted to go down anymore. And also just so much of the plot is just chance. Like, um, when Butch the Boxer runs into Marcellus with his car. Oh, that's a whole nother part. There's so many different little plot stories of this movie. It fits so much in, which is cool. I think that us talking about it in such a scattered way kind of reflects the entire movie. You can't break it down piece by piece part by part and say and then come to a conclusion of what it really means because it doesn't really mean anything yeah there's not one thing yeah it it's a tricky movie to analyze (laughs) in general without sounding really just superficial not not, there's no one way to analyze it in the first place if tarantino didn't intend it to be a movie with the strong message that everybody makes it out to be then i think it makes it a lot more difficult to talk about it yeah but at the same time leads you to draw your own conclusions I still think it's overhyped and I still don't I know it's a pop culture and it's iconic but I still think people glorify it um I guess that that leads us into our conclusion so Kelly what are your kind of final thoughts anything else you want to say okay I know okay we've talked a lot and I think we've kind of come to the semi-conclusion that it's a good movie 
right? It. I don't want to say that it like, is. Like, begrudgingly admitting, like, okay, the characters were good. It's a kind of fun plot. And you've never seen a movie like it. And I've never seen a movie like it. It's, like, pretty unique experience to watch it. That being said, <laughs> I think the amount of people that say it's their favorite movie and that it is the end-all, be-all of movies, it will change your life watching this movie, it's insanity. People over-glorify it. It is not. It's a movie. It's also one of those things that people think is a personality trait to associate with. Oh, yeah. The, the superiority complex by saying, oh, my favorite, I love cinema. My favorite movie is Pulp Fiction. You probably haven't heard of it. Pretty underground. Or, or they're, they're the diehard Tarantino fans where if you bring up anything Tarantino related, they'll, they'll talk about how you're wrong or start explaining oh the entire gosh. plot of of Reservoir Dogs and I think but I think that it's one of those things that has a fandom just like so many other iconic but they are an aggressive fandom it's an aggressive fandom but I'm just saying that this is kind of what pop culture is when you have some such a staple in pop culture there will be a crowd associated with it yeah but if you criticize Tarantino expect to get your head bitten off oh my gosh yes so um to conclude Pulp Fiction is a movie that you can talk about for a while and not really actually come to a conclusion. People can think different things. They can say, the movie means nothing. The movie is about God and an awakening and the briefcase where men Marcellus represent Jesus. You could, <laughs> you could talk about all the symbolism behind every object. But at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of what you make of it. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're still entitled to your own opinion. Yeah. I guess. Even if I disagree with you. <laughs> uh, well, that brings us to the end of this episode. This has been Kelly and I talking about Pulp Fiction on my show, Garden of Eden, which you can listen to every Saturday at 10 a.m. Kelly, thank you so much for joining me. It has been a pleasure, Eden. And I'm sure you will be hearing from Kelly lots throughout the year, so stay tuned. And whoever is listening, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. Shibuya. Shibuya.